92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Hey everybody, this is Lisa and Nancy on Big Blend Radio. And as part of our Big Blend Spirit of America tour, where we're traveling to all 401 national park units in the country nonstop, uh, we are here at the Cane River Creole National Historical Park, and we're sitting with Nathan Hatfield. And Nathan has been our tour guide. He's been on our videos that we've been filming all day long here. We've been here all day, right? Yeah. It's been fun. It's warm. It's getting a little steamy out. Well, inside here, we're in the general store on the Magnolia Plantation. and Or is it a mercantile? What would you call this? A general store? Uh, it was a general store, primarily for the tenant farmers who lived and worked here on the plantation. Okay, so the Cane River Creole National Historical Park has two plantations. It's got Oakland and Magnolia. Both are on the Cane River National Historical Trail. And so Oakland is where we started today, and that is huge. Is this? I, I couldn't believe all the farm buildings were also on the on the property. Yeah, a unique thing about our park, the plantations are so complete as far as the amount of original structures that you can see. You know, quite often when you go to a plantation site, you see a big house and maybe a couple other buildings. Sometimes you see buildings that were brought in from other places. That's not the case at Oakland and Magnolia. We have a tremendous amount of original buildings, and the buildings have always been here. They're all original. So if you're interested in seeing how a plantation actually functioned, then Oakland and Magnolia are probably the best places to come, not only in Louisiana, but in the United States. Mm, interesting, because one thing you were saying, the plantations themselves are over 200 years old? Yes, both plantations were established in Louisiana's colonial period, and the same families that established the plantations, their descendants were still operating these places well into the 20th century. So when you walk around these two pieces of property, you're not seeing a plantation that's frozen in time. You're seeing the evolution of a plantation. We have 200-year-old buildings with tin roofs. We have all kinds of examples of buildings that have been modified and buildings that have evolved over the course of the last 200 years. And there's just hardly anywhere else where you can see that. I think the kitchen is one of the places that really makes that obvious, that this is now a little bit more modern, but the home is still... Yeah, the kitchen at the main house at Oakland was put in in the 1950s. Yeah. When you, when you tour that main house, you start off in the 1820s and by the end of the tour you're looking at a 1950s kitchen and so we get a lot of visitors in the baby boomer generation mm -hmm. and when they walk into that kitchen they have a flashback to their childhood and it makes people think differently about what what is a plantation i think quite often when people hear the word plantation they think 19th century they think scarlett o'hara and, mm -hmm. and tara gone with the wind but the fact of the matter is that, that a lot of these plantations, they have a history that predates the Civil War and also that goes way beyond the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And Oakland and Magnolia, you know, they 
they are that very thing. You've got the agricultural side and then you've got the people side and the cultures have kind of shifted throughout the years too and, and the way of living shifted throughout 200 years, right? Certainly. I mean, these plantations started off with slaves and mules and by the end they had modern tractors. That was one thing that was evident here at Magnolia Plantation. We went into the cotton gin uh, where we saw how the, the, the gin really where it was pressed was actually used at one point where it was mules helping the press. And then you went into one area where they changed over to using steam. Yeah, you're exactly right. Inside the gin barn at Magnolia, we've got an 1830s mule-powered cotton press. And it's one of the only examples of that kind of cotton press that you can see anywhere in the country. And in that same, same building, we've got late 19th century steam-powered equipment. And so just standing in that building, looking from one side to the other, you're seeing that evolution of agriculture in America. Isn't it pretty interesting that it was even kept there? I mean, this national park now, this national site is a historical park, is 20 years this year, 2014, right? Is 20 years old as a national park? That's correct. So how did it get to stay preserved until the national park took it over? That's a great question. You know, quite often when they went over to steam power, they would tear those mule-powered presses down, recycle the building material for something else. Wow. But for whatever reason, the Herzog family here in Magnolia left that steam, or excuse me, left that mule-powered press intact. And who knows why they did it? Maybe they saved it as a backup mm -hmm. in case the steam-powered equipment broke down. I'm not entirely sure why they kept it, but it's here. But it's a huge thing. It's two stories. It's tremendous. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like a giant cheese press. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of folks would say, well, if you're not using this thing, you could do a lot of stuff with all this lumber. But for whatever reason, the Herzogs left it intact, and it's still here today. Thank goodness. And yeah, with both plantations, um, was it, you know, how did this all get preserved? What was What was the motive, and who started it going, okay, we need to make this a National Historic Park? Well... The person who probably deserves the most credit for that is a gentleman named Bobby W. Mm -hmm. Bobby W. was the mayor of Natchitoches. He has family connections to both plantations, and Bobby was very involved in historic preservation. Mm -hmm. And so he was the one who kind of got the ball rolling um, to create Cane River Creole National Historical Park. And another person who needs to be acknowledged is a woman named Laura Hudson, who recently mm -hmm. passed away. She was very involved in the creation of not just our national park, but also Jean Lafitte National Historical Park. She wrote the legislation that was passed in Congress that designated Oakland and Magnolia as Cane River Creole National Historical Park. So, if, you know, you had to pinpoint two individuals. Mm -hmm. Those were the folks I would give a lot of credit to, but also the families that own these plantations, the Herzogs at Magnolia and the Prudhomes at Oakland, but also all the people who lived and worked on these plantations, going back to the slavery period up until the 20th century. They all, due to the fact that they worked hard together for so many generations, that's why these buildings are still here. Mm -hmm. Had these plantations fell apart after the Civil War or after the Boll Weevil outbreak, you know, these buildings wouldn't be here. So there's a lot of individuals involved in, in why this place is still here and why it is what it is. 
Well, and also know it's part of the of Natchitoches. I've got to say my names here to get my, my Louisiana <laughs> sayings done. But Natchitoches um, is actual National Heritage Area as well, which and and also the Cane uh, River Creole National Historical Park is part of that. So it's really a good example of how a city and a community and even a region can embrace their history and keep it. What I want to know is, do a lot of people locally come back to the plantation and then people from far away that are maybe had relatives that worked here ever come back? Yes, we get visitors who had family who lived out here as, uh, as slaves. We get visitors who are related to the families who lived in the big house. There are so many different people who are connected to Oakland and Magnolia through family history. In fact, this summer at Oakland, we're going to be getting a, a group, the Allaire family. They were at Oakland dating back to the slavery period. They were enslaved there, and they continued to live there as tenant farmers and sharecroppers up until the 1950s and 60s, and they'll be coming this summer for a family reunion. Wow. And so, yeah, we get a lot of folks who come in who have ties to the plantations. That's, you know, when you think about it, Coming from a uh, family that had slaves here, you would think they might not want to come here. Well, you know, your ancestral home is your ancestral home. Mm. You know, regardless of the circumstances that put you there, for the Allaire family, they were at Oakland for generations. And they were a big part of, they were the backbone of Oakland. They did the work that allowed the plantation to become what it became. And certainly, you know, the slavery aspect is tragic. It's, it's not something that, that we can look back as Americans and be proud of, but we have to talk about it. And for people like the Allaire family to be able to come back to Oakland and say, yes, the circumstances that brought my people here were tragic, but my people survived and flourished out here, and that's why I'm here. You know, without the sacrifices that my ancestors made and the hardships that they endured here at Oakland, we wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to come back and acknowledge that and recognize that that is their ancestral home is a great thing. And I, I hope more groups like that begin to recognize these sites in that way. It's, it's interesting also here on Magnolia, um, you've got some of the slaves' quarters, which were brick houses. And I believe that's one of the few areas, one of the few places we can actually observe that and, and see how they lived. Yeah, there's very few brick slave cabins left in the United States. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you exactly how many there are, but there's very few. And we have eight cabins here at Magnolia. So you're correct. This is one of the few places where you can come and see mm-hmm. actual brick slave cabins. And also, um, over at Oakland, we went into a cabin uh, as well, and it was, I mean, these are small cabins. This is not easy living, and let me tell you, it's what, getting to Mm. June in a few days here, and it's already heating up a little bit, so I can imagine what it was like working out in the fields in summer, coming home to a tiny cabin, the one cabin we were looking at. You said almost eight people would sleep in that one cabin. Well, it depended. Uh, You know, that's a question we get all the time. How many people lived in the cabins? And I'd say as few as maybe four as four and five people, but as many as eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And in some circumstances, they might have had a few more. Wow. So, I mean, the cabins are tiny, and 
you know, I couldn't imagine living in there with two other people. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I couldn't even fathom the idea of being in there with seven or eight other people. Mm-hmm. But that was a fact of life for individuals on these plantations for many, many years. And what about on the walls, too? I mean, because it does get cold here in the winter, so they were, you know, the paper on the walls was interesting. Yeah, a way to help insulate your home was to put paper up. And sometimes they had what looks like wallpaper with floral patterns, and in other places they just put newspaper. At Oakland, there's it looks like a collage that a kid made. It's like a piece of poster board with different cakes and desserts glued onto it. And it's stuck on the wall. So they used whatever to you know, help plug up those cracks to make it a little bit warmer in the, uh, the cold months. Now, here we have an opportunity to look at the blacksmith uh, area, the symbols on the door. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the blacksmith at Magnolia, you know, at his workshop, there's different symbols on the front door. And they were brands that may have been used to brand a cattle or some other livestock. But there's a lot of hidden messages behind those symbols. Mm -hmm. And the African-American community, quite often they would communicate via these symbols. So with the blacksmith, so he really was like the, the gossip area to go to. Not necessarily gossip, but that's where people came and went and, and spoke with him during the entire time that they were here. Well, they might go to the blacksmith for any variety of reasons. Maybe for spiritual advice or uh, quite often the blacksmith was called upon to settle a dispute amongst people in the quarters. Mm-hmm. So he was a very prominent individual and he had a very specialized skill. You know, you had slaves that pick cotton mm-hmm. and you could teach just about anybody to pick cotton, but you can't teach just about anybody to be a blacksmith. Okay. So the blacksmith was very well respected. And quite often, you know, when they would assign a dollar value to a slave, the blacksmith would be worth the most, for sure. So here on Magnolia, you've got the blacksmith that people can see. They can see the overseer's house from the outside. Um, but we're sitting inside the store. This is what's open on the weekends, is the store? Yes. Uh, Oakland Plantation is open seven days a week. Okay. We always have park rangers there to talk to visitors. Magnolia, we only have staff here on weekends. Okay. Now, if you come Monday through Friday, you can look around, and mm-hmm. there are some buildings that you can go inside, but the store is not one of those buildings. It's only open to the public on weekends. Okay. So the Plantation House also at, the, uh, at Oakland is open, and you do tours every few hours pretty much for people to go and take a tour, a guided tour. Yeah, we do tours daily at 1 o'clock. On most days, we offer more tours. Mm-hmm. It just kind of depends on our staffing level for any particular day. Uh, Magnolia Plantation is a little different because the main house is on private property, mm-hmm. and it's not open to the public. So Magnolia, we've got a tremendous amount of the outbuildings, but uh, the main house is still on private property. It's amazing. Fascinating place. Thank you so much for all your time today and all your work here, too. All right. Thank you. Thank you. 
92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with the 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial.